Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Tammy and Scott. Hi, Carmen. What's up, Carmen? Well, I'm just sitting here in the Become More podcast studio. That, oh. beautiful, that beautiful place that we love so very, very much. Yes, it is. It is a lovely, lovely place. So this week, one of the things that all three of us have been talking about in different places and conversations is decision-making. Specifically, like at a leadership level, what happens when you get a group of people together who like to talk around it, like (laughs) to, you know, make sure they've considered all the points of view, but then just as a group have trouble pulling the freaking trigger on, you know, how do we move forward? How do we not talk about this again next week? (laughs) <laughs> and Carmen, I'm not convinced that they actually want to talk about it all. I think sometimes they do diversionary tactics so they don't have to talk about the real thing that they need to talk about. <laughs> and there's almost a problem in a problem. So they avoid the conversation yep. or they decide. People say, well, they won't make a decision. No, actually, they've made a decision to defer the decision. It's not that they won't make a decision. It's just they're making the wrong decision. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, that is that conscious or not, though? Doesn't so, matter. It's still a decision. I agree with you, Scott. <laughs> but see, this is one of the problems is I think sometimes they don't recognize that they are delaying, deferring, kicking the can down the road, and there's traditionally a whole bunch of reasons why, but they're not reasons that they put on the table and discuss. It's not a conscious decision that says it. It just happens because they have a bunch of really bad habits inside of their conversational model. Right. One of my questions for us to talk about tonight is how do you recognize if you're on a leadership team that's doing that, how do you, how do you recognize it? What are the signs? Because as you said, like people don't always know they're doing it. It just becomes the dynamic. And kind of part two of that is like, if you're one of the people in the room who does recognize it, what can you do to get your colleagues off their, you know what, and, and call the question? Yeah. Okay. So what are the signs? How do you know when your leadership team is wasting their excellence without even being aware of the fact that they are having conversation, I don't know, death meetings, <laughs> never never end, right? So Scott, what would you say are the symptoms that we could point to that and say, that's the symptom of a group of people who are not getting anywhere, but spending a lot of time in the process? If we talk about a topic multiple times, multiple meetings, If you have the same person that repeats their perspective over and over and over. 
Oh my gosh. As soon as you said that somebody's face popped into my head Oh yes. and I swear every time we are with that client, that person has the same phrase that they use and it's their argument for everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really good example. I would also say the other one is when you hear these kind of phrases that are the put-offs, we don't have enough information. We're going to have to research that fo- more fully. Okay. Hey, uh, before we take any steps on that, we have to take a look at, at the risk factors in that. You know, every time we have phraseology that is that deflects a decision and slows down that particular process, and we actually can track that. I mean, if you really think about, hey, we have something on the table and somebody or a sentence, and it doesn't always have to be a person. Sometimes this is a whole leadership team. They'll use phraseology that just is something that says, let's delay that. And then they're like, put it on the agenda for next time. And so Scott was saying, you know, hey, it comes up over and over and over again. Yes. The other side of it is sometimes they don't recognize that it's coming up because someone has put in a delay tactic in that moment. And it's interesting because people will say, well, but we we don't have the information or data we need. And I do believe that sometimes happens. I would also say we're not advocating to make big decisions and with limited or no data and just like flip of a coin or my favorite app on my watch, the magic eight ball. We're not advocating for that. We are not. And if we kind of look at some of the most successful people that run businesses today, so kind of look at some of these big, you know, hip kind of organizations that people talk about. Oh, like Become More? Yes, like like Scott Bergmeier, the CEO of Become More Group. Yeah, yeah. like that. And, you know, one of the things that Scott says frequently, as well as his peers across the world, say frequently, we can actually track and find out that we can make good decisions with about 60 to 80% of the data that we have that we think that we need. And that waiting for that extra, you know, 40 to 20% more information actually slows things down. And there's a cost of slowing things down. So you will never have all the information that you need. And by the way, Later on, more information will surface because we've gone and done something that will inform us, that will help us to kind of shift and decide what we need to do. And I think a big part of this is we're afraid to make a call and we're thinking about it from the standpoint of, oh, this decision is so important, but there's micro decisions and macro decisions and don't confuse them. Micro decisions are things we can make a decision, we can learn from it, we can move on, and we can shift, okay? Macro decisions, hard to back up the bus. So after I actually get married, it's kind of hard to back up the bus. Now I can, I can still get a divorce, okay? But that is a much bigger decision than going on a date. And too often organizations make the mistake of thinking this thing is a marriage decision, a macro decision, a life and death decision, when in all it is, is let's go find out. Let's go by trying something. And see. Try, find out what happens. What is the outcome? What did we learn from that? What are we going to do next? Make a series of smaller decisions. 
You know, I read that in, in a really amazing book. I don't remember the title right now. I'm sure we'll put it in the, you know, in the in the <laughs> comments of the podcast. I, I think the author of that book was named Tammy Rogers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Yes. I think there's two names on it. Rogers is the second name. That's true. Only because it's alphabetical. That's true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Appleseed, I think, is the first one. Listeners, the inside joke here is that the book is called. It's called Chief Optimization, Chief Optimization Officer. Officer. Shattering the status quo. Exactly. And it is written by Tammy and Scott. Tammy Scott and, and Tammy, depending on which way you alphabetize it. Yeah. You know, yeah. personally, I think I think I said we could go alphabetized. Um, and by the way, Bergmeier is a much easier name to find in Google. There's a lot of Rogerses. Mm-hmm. Micro decision, macro decision. Exactly. Micro. It was a micro decision and it was done in about two seconds. And who cares later on? And that's the piece that really is the message here is that half the time that we see it's we want to talk things through to get the perfect right answer, but we'll never get a perfect right answer until we go try. And I wonder, you know, as we're thinking, as we're talking about this, what what I'm thinking about is, okay, if we do need to make a decision to say, hey, we need to talk about that some more. There's a piece of me that says, okay, one of the tactics that you do in that situation is say, when, okay, we're going to talk about this next week, Tuesday or Friday or whatever day it is. What information do people need to bring? So when we're together, we have the information, we have the data. And by the end of that meeting, we're going to make a decision. I love that. One of the pieces that I think as we build agendas for meetings is to say, is this a discussion or is this a decision? And in that particular space, I think it's really important because I come to the meeting with a different mindset. I think that's a really, really good point. I think when we go into meetings and have meeting agendas, we need to tell people, like, what are we going to do with this portion of the meeting? So is this a discussion or is this a decision? And in fact, it might make sense that this week we're going to discuss. We'll leave that meeting coming out and saying, is there any other data that we need to bring to the table so that we can make a decision and it's giving you a chance to think it through. And then on the next week's agenda, we need to time frame it. We can have a discussion for 20 minutes and then we are going to decide. And the deciding methodology is this. And sometimes the deciding methodology is we're going to vote. Sometimes that deciding methodology is we're going to go, and by the way, we each have our say, and the CEO or the big kahuna, they're going to decide. So we should have a deciding methodology. So I love that idea, Scott, as a tech. And the deciding methodology may need to change depending on the topic or maybe how big of a decision it is. Hey, we're going to spend $10,000 versus $10 million. Maybe we need to be more of a unanimous in the $10 million space versus 10,000 is more of a majority or we don't really care. Or the department head says it. Yes. (laughs) I think there's another tactic and this is a tactic I have used quite a bit and it's actually a facilitative tool. And so it's, we provide the topic. We're saying, Hey, this is the decision that's going to need to be made. And I want each everybody to come to this meeting and I want you to share your opinion. And so what we do is then we time it 
And let's say there are six of us and each of us get 90 seconds. And in that moment, Scott gets 90 seconds. The timer goes off. Carmen gets 90 seconds. The timer goes off. Tammy gets 90 seconds. Everyone gets 90 seconds. And in that 90 seconds, they can't say, I disagree with Scott or I disagree with Carmen. This is not the time for rebuttal. It's here's my opinion. At the end of 90 seconds, we say everybody having 90 seconds, we say, just take a minute. You heard all of the arguments. I want you to think that through. And now that you've heard all of that, I want you to come back. And if you had to make the decision right now, what decision would you make? And each person has a chance to say, boom, 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 boom. When we do that, what happens is if there were six opinions, we might get it down to three. We can set aside three of them. And now we have three and then say, okay, we're going to talk about the strengths of each of these and the weaknesses of each of these. And they each get five minutes and that's it. And so in this time framing, what we do is we, we teach people, one, to have an opinion, two, to be articulate and succinct when they share that opinion. And then after we go through that process, however many minutes and reiterations we have, we say, we've talked it through. Now comes time for a decision. We've decided what, how we're going to make that decision. So we go about that decision-making process. So now we don't let it linger. And what's really funny is people learn how to come to the table and make an argument as well as get their thinking kind of organized so that they can show people why their point of view is the strongest point of view. And those are both skill sets that all of us need as we are going uh, in an organization in a leadership position and all of those things is we need to have the ability to communicate our thoughts in a way that people can understand and have a chance to say yes to us. That persuasion and influence skill is super important. And we got to do that in a time frame because we don't have all the time in the world. Time is an important commodity. So those are two tactics. Carmen, do you have one? Not particularly different than that. Just I think what's really great about what you just laid out is that it keeps the focus on we're here to make a decision. How do we keep this conversation moving forward instead of getting stuck in the middle of who of making sure everybody gets their say and we've lost the plot on where we're trying to end up? And think about that. If we don't use facilitative tools to help conversation you know, to reach the outcomes that we're there for and to make sure that we are headed down that right path, then what happens is we get off track. And sometimes we get off track because we have somebody who dominates the conversation. Sometimes we get off track because someone brings something emotional to the table in that particular spot. Sometimes we get off track because we have so many things to talk about and we try to shove 15 pounds of crap in a five pound bag. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons. So I would say if nothing else, We need to learn how to use different facilitative techniques in meetings in order to get the outcomes that we're looking for instead of the one facilitative technique that everybody uses that says something like this, what do you think? Or at the end, have we made a decision? So I think part of it is we don't know how to facilitate meetings to get the outcomes that we need. So I might avoid making decisions. I might let someone hijack those decisions. I might um, not want to say what I think in front of others because I haven't created trust. There's a lot of reasons why we don't get those meetings done. But a great facilitator can take you from an ineffective meeting 
to an effective meeting. And that's just a matter of teaching someone how to be a facilitator. And clarifying who's facilitating this. A lot of these manager meetings or, you know, high level group meetings, nobody's really in charge. Well, in all honesty, no one has actually taught those leaders how to facilitate. They come to a meeting and they've never learned the power and the difference that it makes to have someone who will drive the process of the meeting itself. And so I will say, I think that was the strongest thing that you can do to help leaders is to have someone have a facilitative process so that their meetings are effective and efficient and productive. And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box and be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.